dull pim of many an English village church had become intoxicated by a glowing trend bobbling up under little roofs of its vicars blabbering the recollections of wild oated youthful spouts which more whirlingly were seemingly being lapped up by their congregations as long as they were punctuated by a few neutralizing amens anyhow enough of them to emblazon the daily mail's headlines on several occasions the most recent splash crisis placed trading in the loopy biff of racy breast of young or lords of reaperburn yoked the day's sermon to this uncommonly snarlish beast the sermon was in full swing when all of a sudden the vicar avuncular henry donkle with shame and shawl and shake stick growled now you're talking pointing to a member of his flock fossing in the second pew before petulantly descending from the pulpits and squeezing into the front row right now you're talking the fusser hesitated for a moment then strode to the podium with slumped shoulders spurring his anti-canonical horse to jump the high edge all the while worrying a disintegrating kleenex into pomp with his fingers deflaked onto the cold stone floor like under-egged dough turning to the microphone he started his improvised sermon <clears throat> my brother had a metal chest to keep me locked inside my childhood dangers creaked as the cavity opened until a pocket tin of engine oil appeared in his christmas stocking to silence my captor mother's blindness turned her back for her to save her from the witness stand as he spoke the vicar read out clues from the day's crossword environmental pizza crops harvested from the permafrost six and six jesus christ araminta exclaimed her face planted in palms rubbing wearily it's six and six the vicar barked mistaking her appeal to the heavens for solutions back in the pulpit the speech continued shedding its hesitancy with every word dropped stirring the bechamel sauce with a monk's scapula between palmfuls of salt and shake with the occasional sneaky dip to satisfy the curiosity my brother's metal chest clanged in the feisty climbs there were no known examples of the use of bechamel sauce in any of dostoevsky's novels my sister said from the kitchen table my brother looked over with a wincing eye to express disbelief neither are there in any of his diaries short stories or journalistic pieces no accounts of dostoevsky by friends 
acquaintances, family members, or enemies mention him ever discussing Bechamel's source, or even acknowledging its existence. This does not discount our theory altogether, though. Again, a look for my brother, this time at the word hour, though this she didn't appear to notice. Swimming in her soup-stock eyes were flecks of scholarly passion that dipped under the water like glinting koi carp, only to resurface moments later, twirling on confluent currents. If, as I suspect, she continued, Veshemar's source were so widespread within Dostoevsky's circle, it would be in fact unusual to mention it as a statement of fact would chill the moment and separate it from reality, like a party sausage clicked into a Tupperware coffin during a much-anticipated yet heavily underattended literary salon. She needs a stronger cerebral fluss, my brother told me in the hallway. She doesn't have to prove herself to us, She's earned back the cost of her under-the-counter PhD a thousandfold, but she still feels the ground shake in the vicinity of a straight edger, or even a modestly serrated edger. You know those tools who've won their title in the epistemic tombola through a rousing trade in proxy cram revision vouchers or televised knowledge housing? Though I admit, Food for Thought was a nifty thesis title. To start believing in your own theories now, that's just not healthy, is it? Lions in the lecture theatre rarely gorge on the guest speaker, I replied. Yeah, but she could at least pass some flies away. I opened a bottle of grievous red wine, and we sat down to sip and wince in unison, whilst recounting what we had learned from our shallow dip in the gene pool, spattered as it was, by farting the bobs and belching the noble daddies. The vicar pinched Nez low on the nose, though everyone knew they were just a prop left over from Year Six's rendition of Hedda Gabler, gestured frantically for the speaker to come down. The organ sound on his Casio keyboard began to rumble, signalling the altar boy to bring the cordless microphone to him. Bid me. The saliva I expand must be absorbed in cotton until the candles burn out. Unbelievable! You're just in time! He expressed with joyous surprise at the figure in the doorway. Sumo Todd! How about we picnic on one of your blankets? Hmm? Waddling into the arc of cordless reception, Todd, with mooding cheeks glimmering as if to emit with a sigh, If I can't have you, then at least I'll move you, takes the mic and starts to arrange his wares. Strangely, already complicit in the significance of the proceedings. In the early hours of Saturday morning, Yesterday, to some of you, 
Sitting facing the window with the fire warming my back from behind, the others fondly close in their bedrooms, the lamp by the sofa, the tallest of all the house lamps, standing about five foot five high, that light in the woozy periphery of my sight became a doorway, light beaming through. I read your accumulated silence and it says, a mistaken vision? Or perhaps Todd has been dallying with another class of spirits? Well, whatever your doubt prefers, I resisted the urge to turn my head, to retrieve the bookshelf, lamp and window that had slipped from Clarity's clammy hands. For in the monk-jack hours, do not things themselves start to undress? I hoped so, and now I believe so. My head remained facing forward, the doorway ajar. Could I rise and walk towards it, even go through it? For a while I sat, sat and then sat some more. Blinked, blinked and then blinked some more. And yet the doorway remained open glowing in suggestiveness. Could something perhaps move through from the other side? I wondered. Was I holding it open for another? Was someone standing there now, the door in their peripheral vision, a darkness or light passing through to me where I sat wondering what they were wondering? Perhaps a new tailor was there, holding a needle and thread, with a roll of grouse's tweed under his arm, unsure what these elements could become. No surface to rest on, the ground frozen, finding a doorway to what they hoped would be a shelter, shrouded in moss and creepers, a shelter with a trestle table, dressmaker's scissors and pins that they could use to make some underwear from the abandoned tweed. They would walk through, I thought, and I would sit in the hinterland, blinking in exchange for a message unhindered. But, oh, saffive twigs, there was no tailor on the other side. When I mustered the courage to walk through the doorway, I was met instead by a wall of whispers. Time bending to nobler needs and rushing headlong onto my burning earlobes that were trying to separate the world from the wolf tones. The inner ear is not the easiest instrument to tune. So I sat, loosening and retightening that dermis until the voices reached a sort of accord. So, what did they tell me? ask. Well, let me ask you. Was it not I who were not here to hear your little interrupted sermon, Tomothy? Now tell me, your brother, does he wax or does he polish his chest? And your sister, 
She may be interested to reinvestigate Part 2, Section 2 of Notes from the Underground, where Dostoevsky does indeed mention an appetizing source, and one made up of contradictions and suffering, no less. A source I'm sure we have all supped on. The congregation were looking wide-eyed around the church, to see if any doorway into yesterday had appeared, or if there were a second sumo Todd anywhere, hunched around a drum, with a chewing fork and glowing ears. <coughs> he cleared his throat to snap their wandering eyes back to him as he weighed his final words. D.O., Uncle Henry. D.O. Henry took the biral out of his mouth and, accompanied by a suspicious scrunch of his brow, filled in the beginning letters of the clue that had been vexing him for several minutes now. Then, as if vouching for the verity of Todd's wormhole ear-wigging, gasped, <gasps> Of course! <laughs>